Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Saturday. It is a massive show on the way for you. We're going to have reaction to last night's victory for Cork City over Sligo Rovers 3-0. Uh, we're going to speak to the captain, Keen Coleman, on that victory last night. We're also going to hear from City Women's boss, Danny Murphy. Um, of course, uh, it's nil all between them and Shamrock Rovers currently at the cross. There's been a number of girls called up for international duties. We're going to talk to Danny about that. Munster, unfortunately, trailing at the moment against Leinster, but they're looking to get back in and we'll have reaction from that game when possible. Dennis Hurley's going to talk to us about all things Premier Senior Hurling Championship uh, and we're going to have loads more as well. Sarah McKenzie Foley on the way about Formula One and the July Rebel Oak winners. All of that between here and seven. It is Aiden here with you until 7 o'clock on the big red bench here on Cork's Red FM. And uh, I'm off to a bit of a nightmare start here because uh, me old uh, me old script isn't working and I've absolutely nothing in front of me. But we're going to try and get through it the very best we can for the, uh, the first couple of minutes here as uh, things try to settle down in the studio here. Um, big day of Premier League action, of course, and uh, we're going to get through all the results there as well. Uh, for now, we're going to take a quick ad break, and after the break, we're going to get right into the show. Don't go away. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM, Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Yes, you are listening to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. It's Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock. And as I said just before, we had to take that quick intermission. It's a massive show. And we're going to kick off just by looking at the action in the Premier League. Um, and the evening kickoff is underway. It is Brighton versus Newcastle. And it's the home side, Brighton, who lead 1-0. And uh, 32 minutes gone there. We might get some info on that goal as soon as we can. Evan Ferguson starting up front uh, for the hosts, of course. And uh, let's get a quick check. It was big Evan Ferguson who got the goal for Brighton. And they lead Newcastle 1-0 there. Great to see him on the score sheet. Someone else who knows a thing or two about being on the score sheet, Erling Haaland. A hat-trick as Manchester City maintains their 100% record, 100% start to the new season, should I say. Uh, they beat Fulham 5-1 at the Etihad elsewhere. Young Min Sung scored three goals for Tottenham in their 5-2 defeat at Burnley. Um, of Burnley, should I say. Chelsea slumped to a 1-0 defeat at home to Nottingham Forest. While Bournemouth and Brentford finished 2-all in the lunchtime kickoff, John Egan came off injured as Sheffield United played out a 2-all draw with Everton. And I really hope John Egan is not out injured uh, for the France and Netherlands game, of course, next week. Two huge games for Stephen Kenny's side. Um, we're going to get to the Cork City uh, results here in the Women's Premier Division as soon as we can. Elsewhere, it was um, leaders Piemont United uh, on course to maintaining their lead at the top of the Women's Premier Division. Uh, leading DLR Waves 3-0 approaching full time earlier second place Shelburne beat Athlone Town 2-1 and the second half is just underway at Turner's Cross and it is still nil all there we're going to hear from Danny Murphy in a few minutes time on uh, a big couple of months for Cork City Women's and obviously they're on a great cup run as well hopefully they keep that going 
uh, 7.35 at Sligo Rovers at home to Wexford Utes. Uh, golf and the Irish Women's Open at Tremoland Castle and Van Dam is 13 under par on day three. She's a shot clear of Lisa Pedersen in second. Leona Maguire leads the Irish Challenge. The Cavan native will go into the final day on seven under par after a 3-under 69 today. Matt Fitzpatrick takes a two-shot lead into the final day at the European Masters in Switzerland. The Englishman is 15-under par. Uh, three players in the tie for second and 13-under there. Podrick Harrington is 7-under. Uh, Tommy Kibben, 2-under. Cork's Sean Murphy is level par. And, of course, the big one at Mosgrave Park. Munster trailing by a try. It's Leinster 21, Munster 14. Um, both sides crossed for two tries in the first half Aoife Callahan is there for us we're going to hopefully get some reaction although the clock might be slightly against us in that one but we will see what we can do it'll definitely be on the show tomorrow evening at least um, earlier Ulster beat Connacht 36 points to 14 and it was their first win since 2012 which was quite amazing in tennis war number one Carlos Alcaraz is out in court at the US Open he leads Dan Evans five games to two in the opening set of their meeting in the men's singles and we're going to hear from Sarah McKenzie Foley about this uh, really exciting qualifying session at the Italian Grand Prix Carlos Sainz is going to start at the front for tomorrow's uh, home Grand Prix for Ferrari uh, it's their 23rd pole position at Monza he just pipped the championship leader Max Verstappen he was second quickest in the Red Bull and it's Leclerc third so we're going to hear all about that but first of all let's jump into what was um, just an incredible night at Turner's Cross last night it was emotional but it was most importantly three points for Cork City Rory Keating with uh, an unbelievable display to get a hat-trick last night and, you know, in memory of his father as well, who unfortunately lost his life travelling to the away game against Sligo Rovers um, in the past couple of months. And uh, for Rory to go out there and score a hat-trick last night, you could see the emotion in him. And we're going to speak to Captain Keane Coleman about that in just a second. But first of all, let's hear the thoughts of the Cork City manager, Liam Buckley. He was speaking to our own Colm O'Sullivan, of the home run, of course, on Red FM here during the week. He was speaking to him on LOI TV last night after the game. Heard that it was a must-win game. You got the victory. How important is that? Uh, it was vital for us going into the game. Obviously, to jump nine points away from them would have been more, would have been very difficult. But I thought over the 90 minutes we were good today and great performance from the lads, good effort and delighted with the result. You asked for a performance. You said you hadn't been seeing the performances in recent weeks. You got it against Waterford in the cup. You said you were happy with the first error of the performance in Drogheda last night. Yeah. Was it a step up again tonight? Yeah, I think it's a bit better again tonight. We just need to keep on working on that link play. The more we link it in, and we have players that can do this, you know, the kind of way. So we just need to work with that right through the end of the season. Please God, we can get enough results. It's a special night for Rory Keating. I mean, after everything he's been through in the last couple of months, to get the hat trick tonight, celebrating in front of the shed. I mean, it's just emotional for him, and it was it was wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah, very emotional uh, hat trick for him. Uh, bearing in mind the tragic news he got was up in Sligo um, a few weeks back. So um, delighted for him. We were only speaking about it the other day about forwards getting chances and whatever. He's got three or four chances tonight. By the hat trick, great hat trick for him. And delighted for him. It was a great hat trick, and like obviously the penalty, the first one, but two lovely goals then. Yeah, and it's like that with forwards. You know, you can you can go a few games, you really don't score. But if you keep getting chances, you're you're going to score goals. You know, so we need to make sure we're going to create as, as much as we possibly can for him. You know, kind of way because uh, he's a decent finisher. And um, please, God, as I say, we can push on from this. Yeah, the gap is down to three points now, Liam. 
Um, it was vital to, to close that gap tonight, as we said. Obviously, there's still a bit, of, a bit of work to do, a bit of ground to make up. But do you think the players will be more confident after tonight? And are you more confident after tonight? I, 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 I was, I was confident going to the game one way or the other. But uh, there's still a lot of games to be played. And there's, there's not an easy game in this league, as you well know. So uh, we'll just take the next one on its merit and see where we go with that. And if we can just take out a few points and see what happens. Because you just don't know what's going to happen with the other games. So, uh, but first and foremost, you've got to look after our own performance. Play as well as you can. And get a few points to see where you go thanks James cheers you're welcome alright delighted to say now I'm joined on the line by Cork City captain Keane Coleman Keane uh, thanks a minute for joining us on the Big Red Bench first of all cheers thanks for having me not at all uh, huge results last night you must have been pleased with the 3-0 victory obviously over Sligo Rovers but the performance as well yeah definitely look um, I think it was kind of a, a must win game for us to be honest Um and look to, to win 3-0 and, and the way we performed in front of front of our home fans fans was brilliant and look we're all delighted It cuts the gap to three points to, to Sligo Rovers in 8th above you it's obviously still a difficult task to, to reel them in fully um, but the fact that, that you have them in your sights now that'll push you on I'm sure Definitely yeah um, it'll give us a lot of confidence obviously look we haven't we haven't won a league game in a couple of games so look Winning a match and winning a match of that importance to us, every game is important. But look, obviously, like I said, if, if we didn't win yesterday, I suppose we'd have been nine points behind maybe if we lost. And I think we've definitely been looking at a playoff then. But uh, look, we've won the game. We're still in touching distance. Um, we've just got to look, we've seven league games, I think, left. So look, we've just got to believe that we can we can get out of it. And look, confidence from winning last night will we'll go a long way. Yeah, talk to me just about the build-up, I suppose. Um, was there was there a bit of nerves there, like you said? You know, a, a poor result last night and it, you really probably were consigned to that, that playoff spot. Um, the, I imagine there's pressure there on you as well to perform. What's that dressing room like just before you step out on the pitch last night? Yeah, look, I think, I wouldn't say there's nerves. Like, you know, obviously you know the size of the game and the importance and what happens if we didn't get the result. Like, it, look, everyone's, everyone knows that. Like, but look... We're professional footballers, like we're there to play in pressure matches. Like, and look, a lot of lads stepped up last night and and shown shown that we're, we're well able to deal with the pressure. Like, so look, we just gotta we gotta continue that form now from last night and bring it into the next few games, and, and that'll help us massively. Yeah, one man who stepped up was Rory Keating. I'm sure he, he shared that emotion that that poured out of him at the end there as well. It was incredible. Oh, I was unbelievable. Look, the the mental strength he's shown in in the last few weeks since look the obviously it was tragedy what happened. Like, and look the to come back and to do what he's done has been unbelievable so look credit to him he's been he's been unbelievable for us all season and look since he's come into the club but look obviously with, with, what, with what's happened like it's I, I've no words to describe it really it's, it's shocking what's happened obviously like but look he's showed unbelievable character and mental strength and look we're all like you said delighted from him and like you said the emotion came out of him last night but look unbelievable from him to get a hat-trick he was brilliant and look he deserves he deserved that moment last night Yeah what's it like sharing a dressing room with, with a player like that like you said gone through a, a huge personal loss uh, and to come back almost put that into his work as well and to bring that out on the pitch and, and you know the emotion last night at Hattrick in such a tight game it must be incredible to have him in there with you and to play alongside him Definitely look as a player he's he's unbelievable like he, he's finishing is unbelievable look he, he get a half a chance and he'll score and that kind of showed it last night like and when he's on form look, I think he's the best striker in the league like so Look, he was brilliant last night. And he's like I said, he's been brilliant all season, and it's it's a joy to play with him, and it's, it's brilliant to have him on our team. And also, then for your for your striker to score three, obviously one of them was a penalty. But for when your striker is scoring, it is a sign that the team is playing well. 
definitely yeah um, look I suppose we are doing the wrong, wrong end of the table but he's banged them in I suppose which is good and look he's doing his job up front scoring goals like that's what he's there to do but look as a team look we, we were all very good last night I think everyone even the lads came off the bench were brilliant like and look the squad will be needed till the end of the season and look everyone will play their part and everyone played their part last night so look we just got to carry that into the next game now you have a cup quarter final next week um, back in the survival hunt in the league as well is there that sense of, of renewed purpose within the team um, you know a couple of a couple of wins in the cup seems to have really lifted you now and, and you seem almost like a different team definitely yeah look there's in every game anyway but like I suppose like I said a while ago when you're losing games it's very hard to know but when you're winning games that confidence is it's, it's unbelievable what I can do to the team and everyone around you the crowd the fans are unbelievable last night looked like unbelievable all season but I suppose it gives everyone that lift you know that we've won a game and we're more than capable of getting out of the trouble we're in and obviously like you said the cup is there as well to, to have a go off so the confidence is a massive thing and last night will, will, will go far for us Absolutely well Keen. the very best of luck for the rest of the season and thanks a minute for joining us on the show Cheers Yeah great to catch up with Cork City captain Keen Coleman there of course uh, that cup game is two weeks time uh, break next week for the international window and then the 15th of September it's Cork City versus Wexford in that cup quarter final all right, um, as I was saying, oh, just look at this. Leinster, after going over for a try at Musgrave Park, and that could be the killer blow for Munster. It's uh, 26-14, conversion con- uh, pending, 63 and a bit minutes gone, and uh, Munster, who are looking for four in a row, of course, in the Women's Interprovincial Championship, well, they're really up against it now. They're going to be two scores down. Uh, let's see if they can claw it back. Um, I was mentioning there we're going to be uh, we're going to hear from Cork City uh, head of women's football, Denny Murphy, uh, who I was speaking to during the week. Um, they've just yes, City I think have possibly just conceded. Yes, they have. Uh, they're one 0 down to Shamrock Rovers at Turner's Cross in the women's Premier Division. Um, we're going to hear from Denny Murphy now. I spoke to him during the week. And uh, like it, it is a big couple of weeks for them, and obviously they they go away to the leaders' P Mount as well next week. Tonight was their first home game since the World Cup break. Um, but uh, a number of of the of the women's senior team have been called up for international duty with the Republic of Ireland. Claude Fitzgerald and uh, Kira Senan, both 15 years old, only currently in Portugal with the Ireland under 17 team. Um, four players, if not five, actually, I believe, are being looked at for the Ireland under 19 team. Neve Cotter, Ellie O'Brien, Heidi O'Sullivan, Heidi Mackin, and of course, uh, Fiona Bradley is uh, in the running as well for some call-ups uh, so she's having a fantastic season we're going to hear all about that now with Head of Women's Football of Cork City Danny Murphy Alright I'm delighted to be joined now by Head of Women's Football at Cork City FC Danny Murphy Danny I hope you're well Yeah no I'm very good thank you A big two weeks for you coming up you'd be looking forward to it I suppose Yeah no listen these are the challenges you want to face as a manager and as players so you know look, these are the games that you want to be planning and you want to test yourself against the you know, the, the best players and, man, and coaches in the league. So, you know, for us, it's a great opportunity to showcase what we can do. And, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to try and get what we the positive result out of the game. You had a great run in the All-Ireland Cup and you're into the quarterfinal now of the FA Cup as well. And it shows that the team has that spirit to compete at the higher level. Yeah, no, we do. And I think that, you know, we, we've, we've had really good cup form and, you know, we've spoke about it as a group and we want to turn our cup form into league form and we want to start getting the results that we believe we can get in the league and we want to keep trying to push on from there and I think it's the cup was great for us it was kind of you know a break from the league and really helped us kind of in terms of implement how we want to play and what we want to do and I think going into the league now we've got to implement the same way 
the, the same attitude and the same way we did things in the league games. And huge positive news as well in the way of international call-ups. Uh, Claude Fitzgerald and Kira Senna in Portugal with the Ireland under-17 team. I think four players then for the Ireland under-19s. Neve Cotter, Ellie O'Brien, Heidi O'Sullivan, Heidi Mackin all in in the running for call-ups to the under-19 team. So very positive. Yeah, no, he's really positive. And Fiona Bradley's as well was one of them for the uh, under-19s as well that's involved in it. And and she would be probably two two years younger than him but that currently on being looked at and on standby. So... You know, look, we've got huge amounts of good young talent coming through and we we really fully expect these players like as a staff to be future internationals for the for Ireland. So, you know, it's a good place for young girls to come and see where they've come from and where they're trying to get to and like they can kind of follow their journey and their pathway and hopefully that inspires them to then, you know, follow the same pathway and and get to where they want to get to eventually. And as well, when you have players returning from that international call-up, you know, inspiring the the others around them as well, um, it, it's always a good thing. Yeah, no, it drives on it drives on performance, and it's you know when girls get called up for internationals, it's it's a massive privilege for them to play for your country, and you know we won't ever hold them back from doing that, and you know it it really drives on performance in the in what we do within training and what we do in games because the level that they go up to international is different, and there's a, a higher level of performance when you get to that and then you come back to club level and you've got to carry on that high level of performance to consistently be picked for international duties You mentioned Fiona Bradley there uh, I wanted to ask you about her season so far Brace last week in the Cup top scorer for the club for such a young player it must be so exciting to watch her develop every week Oh yeah listen you know she's uh, she plays she's she makes you smile as a coach when you watch her play because she plays with, with so much fun and so much enjoyment and the way she plays the game is how it should be played, like with a smile on your face, fully committed to everything. She she's, she can do a lot of things in a football game and she can take you from not doing so well in a game to potentially winning a game. And, you know, she has... We, we probably didn't expect her to play as much as she had this year, but she's come in and done really well. And, look, it's her, but, you know, she's she's holding her own at this level and it just goes to show it doesn't matter about size or age if you're good enough then you should be playing absolutely well Danny it's been a pleasure to talk to you as always and the very best of luck for the, the next few weeks ahead no problem I appreciate it thanks for the call yeah Danny Murphy there head of women's football for Cork City FC uh, they are unfortunately trailing 1-0 at the moment to Turner's Cross but that is to second place Shamrock Rovers so they're uh, there, uh, there's no uh, shame in that whatsoever and another big test for them next week against Piemont away from home as well um, but they do have that cup run to look forward to and I believe it is Shamrock Rovers again so you know this this uh, performance is going to really encourage them for that game uh, later on in the FAI Cup alright we're going to turn our attention now to Gaelic Games Tomorrow is a massive day in the Cork Premier Senior Hurling Championship, the co- the co-op superstars Premier Senior Hurling Championship, should I say? And uh, to preview it all and all the permutations, I spoke to Dennis Hurley yesterday ahead of what is just a massive day of hurling. All right, delighted to be joined on the line now by Dennis Hurley of the Echo to preview what is a Super Sunday in the Premier Senior Hurling Championship here in Cork. Dennis, first of all, thanks a million for joining us on the Big Red Bench. It's been a it's been a fantastic championship up till now, and Sunday is a, a culmination of a, a group stage that has thrown up a, a lot of excitement. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Um, you know that there's so much, so so much still on the line. Um, and uh, like you say, Sunday now, 
you know, has the potential to be uh, to, to be very interesting. There's so many so many different possible outcomes, and you know, all the games being on at the same time, the, the picture constantly changing, and um, you know, it, it'll make for uh, for for great excitement. It should go all the way down to the the last um, the last puck, really. Yeah, let's start off, I suppose, by looking at uh, Group A. And um, I suppose it's one of the more straightforward groups. Middleton and BlackRock are both qualified from it. Um, they do meet each other, though, to sort out top spot, which is an interesting clash and could tell us a lot about the later rounds of the championship as well. Yeah, it, it could, but then you don't want to read too much into it because two years ago, Middleton were in exactly the same situation. Themselves and Saris had both won their first two matches and they were playing each other in the last match, and Sars actually won that game, and it was Middleton who came back then to actually win the county. Like, there's that bit less pressure on the situation both teams are in. Are in. I know um, you're looking you're looking to get the win to maybe get the automatic semi-final spot, but there's still the lack of absolute do-or-die championship cut and trust to it. So I think... The fact then that they're both trying to to get the highest scoring difference and get the win means you might have a, a kind of a, a fairly open free scoring game that you mightn't get, you know, if if everything was on the line. Bishopstown versus Glen Rovers then a game that's important to to both clubs um for for di- very different reasons obviously to the clubs that are trying to get into the quarter final. Um, I suppose maybe with the group this year it's not that big a surprise that Glen Rovers are in this position but still the fact that you could be looking at and now look it would take a massive effort from Bishopstown to get the win against Glen Rovers but the fact that they are in this position is uh, is worrying from their point of view Yeah it's it's just we, we always knew this, this was going to be the, the group of debt I suppose you know to, to use the phrase when you had Middleton, Blackrock and the Glen all in there and only two qualifying one was going to lose out the Glen will be very disappointed that it hasn't that they haven't taken it to the final day, you know, that they lost to Black Rock and then a week later they were out again and they, they lost to Middleton, so it was, it was done and dusted, you know, um with it with a game to spare. So they they definitely want to to finish on a high, you know, obviously from the point of view of just making sure they don't finish bottom and don't get caught in the relegation. And just to kinda restore a bit of confidence and and kinda have some some good memory of the of the year, um. But in saying that, then Bishop Stone, you know, they they know that with the way the, the scoring difference is, they'll have to get something out of it. So they'll they'll be leaving everything everything on the field. You'd imagine. So you know, the Glen definitely won't or can't take um take take anything for granted. Uh, you'd imagine that they will be too strong, but. You know, we have seen strange things in the um, in in on the last day over the last few years, which is why it's such um, such compelling viewing on the on the on the final round, like like it is. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll touch on I suppose the other uh, candidates for for that relegation playoff as we go along. Um, looking at Group B, um, very interesting group, isn't it? And I think I said I said this last year as well. Douglas were in a, a similar position. Oh, they would love that automatic semi-final, surely, just so they wouldn't have to face a quarter-final this year. Yeah, well, that that that's it. Um, at least they have the the consolation of knowing that whatever happens, they're um, 
they're going to be in the quarterfinals. And, you know, it might be a bad thing to actually have to play a quarterfinal as well because we saw Aaron's on last year got the, the semi-final spot and they lost, you know, the, the layoff can, can have the effect of um, of leaving you going in a bit cold against a team that's won a match. Douglas are in a nice position, you know, they can they can go for the, the semi-final spot, but at the same time, it's not to be on the end all. They will be top no matter what. So like like that, Rock and Middleton, they can they can use the the game to their advantage as well and, and try a few different things. Um, and especially like the fact that Charlotte will have to get something to to try to qualify. Um, is uh, you know it means that they they'll be getting a, a good test. Um, without a doubt. Yeah, I suppose then just on uh, on Charleville for their for their Neils Aaron's own, it is an interesting battle between the three of them. Like you said, Aaron's own were the were the uh, automatic uh, semi final spot last year, and to see them now, their bottom of their group before their game against Father O'Neill's, it sets up a really interesting tie between them. And then also you have fellas checking their phones during the Douglas Charleville game as well to see what's going on because it affects it affects all three teams. Yeah, like if if um, if Charlotte were to take some were to get the win against Douglas, Father Neils and um, and and Aaron's own, you know, wouldn't be able to do anything um, to to qualify. It'd be it'd be out of their hands. So they need Douglas to to push on for that uh, semi final spot. And if Douglas did win, then Father Neils Aaron's own would become a shootout effectively uh, for the for the quarterfinals, assuming. Assuming that Douglas and Jarrell wasn't a draw, or Father O'Neill's and and Aaron's own wasn't a draw, in which case, uh, scoring difference and different things like that come into it. Um, so the the teams involved, you'd imagine, to to kind of suit them, you know, just treat it like a knockout game, go out and and kind of give it their best and, and see like they, you know. They 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 have been feeling they they might have beaten Jarrell, both of them, but at the same time. They could have easily asked to Charleville and Charleville Douglas, and then would just be to the side top spot. So they'll be happy knowing that it, it's it's a case that if they win, they'll have a good chance of qualifying. It's not completely in their hands, but I suppose it's a situation that if you'd offered it to them at the start, they'd they'd have um, they'd have taken it. If you were to make a call in that group, what do you think is the most likely scenario? I I have a sneaking feeling that. Um, the father needs to be there in zone, and I think um, I think I think Douglas. If 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 Charleville are without Darf is given, I think Douglas will will be Charleville. So uh, I I would predict Douglas and father needs, but I wouldn't be surprised really um, if 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 it was another um, if it was one of the other sides coming out uh, Group C what a group this has been it's, it's provided great drama so far and it's only going to provide even more uh, Sarsfields versus Newton Chantram Kenturk versus St Finbars all four clubs still in the mix for it uh, Sars can uh, with a win or a draw they'll top the group um, they can't finish bottom but they they can not qualify too you know it's 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 a, it's a an insane uh, scenario they have three points from two games and it really would be a massive shock for Sarsfields not to get out of the group because it feels like they have a lot of momentum this year they do they do but last year it was a similar situation you know they, they did well in the league and they ended up um, not qualifying out of the group and the Bears beat them in the, in the final match uh, you had Blackrock in that group as well, so that was the group of dead last year. Uh, obviously, 
that experience will leave them keen to ensure that they don't have it again and they've given themselves a great chance now with the win uh, against the Bears uh, three weeks ago you know when you're going in that situation after drawing with Ken Turk um, you know against the, the, the county champions who had a win in their opening match there there have been question marks on, on SARS and they'll have been delighted to um to answer them and to to get to get such a morale boosting win, but at the same time it was just win one win, it was just two points. Newtown got to the semi finals last year, so he can't afford to slip up against them. Uh so it um you know, th- those those two matches I think will be will be real, really intense affairs. Um knockout and all but name. And um, it should make for some for some great spectacles. The fact that St. Finbars, who were, I presume, the bookies' favourite for the championship uh, at the very start, the reigning champions, the fact that they could so easily miss out here on the knockout stages is incredible. How likely do you think it is, or, or do you see Bars getting the job done and uh, booking their place? I would expect that, that they would beat Kentork. It, it won't be easy. Kentuck beat Middleton, the reigning champions last year, and knocked them out. But I think, I think, I think, sir, or I think the Bears' minds will be will be focused um, on on the job at hand, and they, they'll I think they'll make sure to to get the win. Like you said, they were favourites at the outset, probably maybe just ahead of Sars in the reckoning, and it, it just shows, you know, the Bears and Sars was always going to be. You know, it, it was never going to be easy to call. I suppose the, the fact that the fact that stars were so dominant in that game was a bit of a surprise. But it could be the the kind of the, the jaws maybe that that the bars needed to, to to remind them that if they are to 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 go back to back, um, you know, the the same high levels from last year will be will be necessary. And just then to tie up the relegation playoff, obviously uh, the the losers of Bishopstown versus Glen Rovers will definitely be there. And then it's out of, uh, I suppose, uh, either Father O'Neill's, Aaron's own or Can Turk, um, or presume Newton Chandrum or any of the teams, other teams in Group C can't feature. So who do you think is in the shake up there and what what might we see happen? Um, it really is impossible to call. Um, like uh, you, you'd expect, you'd expect the Glen to beat Bishopstown, so Bishopstown will uh, will 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 probably be there. Uh, you know, they they could they could um, cause a surprise, but and then elsewhere, there there's too many moving parts. Really, I think to kind of make a definitive call, and you know, it it's it can be harsh in a way in that you might think. You might think you've done enough to justify it by the skin of your teeth, and then a result in another gr- group, you know, that that you've no control over, that doesn't affect you, causes you to to drop into the bottom two. So it's um, you know, it it's not for the faint hearted, definitely. Yeah, it's the first year I imagine that there'll be a team that have gone into the final game with both the chance of qualifying and uh, falling into that relegation playoff. I like, can't remember if that scenario was there last year. Uh, Charleville, Charleville would have had a chance going into the final round last year. They were they were the third team in the Bears, Blackrock and Sars group. And it was a similar situation that you had a team on three, two, twos and a one. And Charleville were the team on one. So they, like Ken Turk, on, on Sunday, Charleville had, had a slim chance it didn't work out for them. They ended up in the relegation playoff. It was their first year up, but 
thankfully for them, they beat Napierstick in the playoffs. So it, it just shows the fine margins. You know, you, you can go in on the morning of the match hoping and praying that, that you make the quarterfinals and then by that evening, you're, you're having to prepare for a, a relegation game a, a couple of weeks later. So, you know, it just shows that anything can happen really and um, you just have to be mentally prepared for that I suppose as much as anything else Yeah Sunday is uh, really shaping up to be a, a big big day in Cork GA calendars and it's currently the exact same thing the Sunday after in the Football Championship Dennis Hurley of the Echo thanks a for going through all of that with us Thanks a lot Ed yeah, thanks to Dennis there. It's Munster 14, Leinster 33 and the clock is in the red at Musgrave Park. So it's going to be Leinster who will put a stop to the Munster dominance in the Women's Interprovincial Championship. Munster were going for four in a row, but they're just going to fall short. Um, and just like in the uh, Premier Senior tomorrow, it's the final round of games in the group stage of the Co-op Superstars Senior A Hurling Championship. All games getting underway at the same time at half past six. They're just underway now in the last couple of minutes. It's Ballyhave versus Blarney and Morn Abbey in Riverstown. Bright Rovers face in Escara. Cloyne meet Mallow and Granat. Corsi Rovers take on Newcestown and Briney in Watergrass Hill for Moy play Carrick Tool. And Cove is the venue for Napiershig versus Killa. And we do have results from earlier on in the Intermediate A. It was Kildory 121, Blackrock 317, Cloudsove 318, Douglas 214, Lisgould 119, Ahabolog 217, Middleton 221, Ballygiblin 215, Sars 310, Mayfield 215, Yol 113, Ahada 121. That means that it's going to be Middleton straight into the semi-finals there in the intermediate A. Then it's going to be Blackrock versus Bally Giblin in one quarter final. Bally Giblin, of course, the Junior All Ireland uh, title holders, and uh, sorry, two automatic semi finalists. So Ahabolog also going straight through to a semi final, and they'll meet the winners of Mayfield versus Liskool. So Middleton meeting the winners of Blackrock versus Bally Giblin. All right, it's full time in Musgrave Park. It's ended Munster fourteen, Leinster thirty three, and we'll have reaction to that as soon as we get it. But now let's turn our attention to Formula One. It's Carlos Sainz on pole for tomorrow's Italian Grand. Prix. He's done it for Ferrari in front of the Tifosi. Here's Sarah McKenzie Foley. All right, Sarah McKenzie Foley is on the line to look back at uh, what was a very exciting qualifying session at Monza for the Italian Grand Prix tomorrow. It's Carla Sainz on pole in front of the Tifosi. Um, great result for Ferrari in a season where not much has gone right for them. This was a nice moment. Absolutely, yeah. They've been very, very hot and cold all season. And as you say, in front of a home crowd that was a, a huge lap that Carlos Sainz pulled out and to be fair they had looked strong all weekend so I'm glad that they managed to pull that out because you know Charles Leclerc looked extremely quick going around and then was just pipped by, by Verstappen so they were lucky to have Sainz following again afterwards but the crowd just went wild which is it's really nice to see for them because I think you know, I say this all the time on the podcast with her, who's obviously a big uh, Ferrari fan, but I think Formula One is, is better off when Ferrari are doing well. Absolutely. Sebastian uh, Vettel put it right, I think, when he said that everybody's a Ferrari fan. Uh, and it's yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's there, especially on a, on a weekend uh, like this, the Italian Grand Prix. And, and it makes for a very interesting race because you have Sainz P1, you have Max Verstappen starting in second, and then Leclerc P3. So Verstappen mm. in that Ferrari sandwich, uh, could make for a very interesting start to tomorrow's race. I really think it could. And I think especially because Sergio Perez, he doesn't look, he's kind of fallen back into looking a little bit less confident again. You know, he 
crashed his car in FP2 yesterday with basically no pressure on him and he did a fair bit of, of damage on, to the underneath of, of the car and then had an oil leak during FP3 so he didn't get as much data and, and running time as Max did and I think it showed today and just his general lack of confidence whereas I think you know the Ferraris are absolutely on one this weekend essentially and I think if they can sort of as you said in that in that sandwich if they can put pressure on Max I think that it could turn out to be really interesting and I think it would also force Red Bull you know to have to actually think on their feet and, and make some some strategy calls that kind of have more riding on them than anything else they've done this year because Max is actually going for a record 10 Grand Prix wins in a row this weekend and no one's ever done that so I think there is there's quite a bit at stake this weekend which I think is a nice change yeah, that's kind of once in a career stuff as well for, for Max, so he's going to be right up mm. for that. Um, Alex Albon as well, P6, uh, maybe yeah. uh, probably one of the outperformers, let's say, of where he should be in the, in, in, the, in the standings, but he's in a great vein of form, isn't he? And he's proving why he was chosen to be a Red Bull driver all those years ago. He just went totally out of form, mm. but now he's proving he is a really good Formula 1 driver. And P6 in that Williams, you know, Lewis Hamilton's P8 with the same power mm. unit, so it's uh, really impressive for him. Completely agree. I was, I was going to bring him up because he's really been a dark horse kind of all season. Like, he is really outperforming his car. And I think it's, you know, you mentioned the the time at Red Bull. I think it was just the wrong environment for him. You know, I think he needed, especially being so young and so early in his career, I think he needed more of a nurturing atmosphere, which is definitely what he's getting at Williams. And he's committed to them over the long term. And I think getting James Vowles over from Mercedes is a really impressive leadership change for them as well. So I actually think, I, I agree, I think he will definitely score points tomorrow as long as, you know, there's nothing major that goes wrong. And I think, you know, people are saying, oh, would, would he go back to Red Bull or, you know, what's going to happen? I don't think so. I think he's in exactly where, you know, the kind of situation environment that he needs to be in. And I, I have no doubt that he'll keep performing the way he is now for the rest of the season. Another driver then who's a, a friend who's a, a Lance Stroll supporter for some reason, and uh, <laughs> he's uh, he, I, I don't know we, we were having this discussion earlier on because he was uh, not happy let's say with Lance Stroll finishing P twenty. No. Um, now I personally just think Lance Stroll is an all right driver. He's grand. He's mm-hmm. not great. Uh, he thinks mm-hmm. that the car is the issue and the uh, power unit was the issue. What is what happened with Lance Stroll today? It's tough for Lance because he he didn't get a lot of running. So during FP1, Felipe Drogovic, who is their development driver, actually ran the car during that session, which is part of a regulation that you have to have a rookie in there at least twice a year. So he didn't get any running in FP1. He then had an issue that limited his running in later sessions. So I think, unfortunately, Lance was actually... He was just in, you know, sort of, sort of a series of unfortunate events today. With that being said... I, I will agree with you on the kind of talent perspective. I don't think that, you know, were his father not so important in that team, I don't think he would still have his seat. Um, you know. Yeah. And by important, you ask, mean the yeah. owner. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and I think, you know, Fernando Alonso especially showed it at the start of the year, you know, what he was able to do with that car. And Stroll just, he just couldn't get near him. He just, I don't think he has that X factor. Um, that you see, you know, he's kind of one of those drivers that you just sort of forget was ever in Formula One. 
Um, but obviously, by by virtue of his dad being an owner in the team, he's he's going to be there, I think, for quite a long time as long as he really wants to be. And then one more person I want to ask you about is Liam Lawson because he's uh, mm. he's performing quite well, taking his chance. Obviously, Daniel Ricciardo, he broke his arm, unfortunately, mm. after getting back into the seat um, after that whole Nick DeVries uh, scenario. Uh, he, he broke his arm. But Liam Lawson, everybody's excited about him because he does have a future in Formula 1, that's for sure. Uh, so uh, he's, he's doing okay and he's proven that uh, he definitely has the future. For sure. I mean, you know, before Daniel Ricciardo was confirmed to take Nick DeVries' seat, there was a huge amount of chat about whether or not it would be given to Liam Lawson. And I think probably his lack of experience was really the biggest thing that that went against him there because they didn't want to put, you know, just another rookie in the car. Um, But I think he's, you know, he's acquitted himself very well um, this weekend so far. And I think it'll be interesting to compare, you know, his results to Daniel's to Yuki Sonoda's over the last couple of weekends because... As you mentioned with Daniel Ricciardo, I've wondered, does does he think the universe is trying to send him a message uh, at this point? As much as I love him, I just, I don't know how long it's going to take him to kind of come back from, from this injury. And we don't really know the extent of it still. So massive opportunity for Liam Lawson, as you say, and with Sergio Perez looking shaky. I mean, honestly, who knows what could happen at Red Bull. Absolutely. That's it. If I was to push you for a quick prediction for tomorrow's race, is Max going to get that record? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay positive, and I'm gonna say that it's gonna be a Ferrari home win. But I think definitely Max in second, um, and probably one of either the other Red Bull or um, the other Ferrari in third. I think. Which one is the Sainz or Leclerc that's going to take the win? <sighs> I think it's going to be Sainz. I think he looks he just looks very confident at the moment. He's had times in the season where he's lulled a bit, and I think that pole has really just pushed him on and I think he's got the bit between his teeth. Excellent stuff. Well, we'll have to see tomorrow evening. Sarah McKenzie Foley, thanks a minute for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Thanks, Aidan. Yeah, thanks to Sarah there. It's heading towards uh, full-time at Turner's Cross. Unfortunately, City trailing 3-0 now to Shamrock Rovers. Abby Larkin with one of the goals, of course. One of the heroes of the World Cup for Ireland. Um, now we're going to look at uh, this, uh, the July winners of the Rebel Og Award. And it was the Cork Under-16 Camogie team. The Rebels retained their All-Ireland title as they defeated Galway in Nolan Park. Uh, they picked up their award at the Clayton Hotel Silver Springs. It's sponsored, of course, by Cork's Red FM and media partners. The Echo Cork boss, John Maloney, has been speaking to Rory. John, first off, I suppose, um, congratulations on the award. It must be uh, fantastic just to be recognised, I suppose, by Rebel Oak here this evening. Oh, I'm delighted. I was, I was here. It's my second year here. I was here again last year. And uh, for, I suppose, for girls to be recognised, I, I really appreciate Rebel Oak. Uh, it's about boys and girls. You know, Oak is Rebel. It doesn't say boys or girls. It's mm-hmm. Rebel Oak. And I think I really the girls really appreciate and parents um, being recognised for the hard work that goes in. And it, it's equally hard on the girls put in. It's equally hard as effort as the boys do. Mm-hmm. And Cork people are fantastic. Cork girls, parents, boys, and all the committees are fantastic um, to put the girls and their, their kids first. And their dedication on both parents and girls is fantastic. And equally the boys, you know, that's what I see. And it's, it's great that it's recognised, you know. The small things that might be small to other people is huge for people that come here tonight just to, to come up. And as I said, there's a thin line between winning and losing, you know. If you lose, you don't end up on nice deck tonight. And if you win, you know, but you should appreciate it when you win because as a tin line has said you 
take as much out of it as you can because you want these guys will never be on 16 again some of them mm. and we might not be over, over teams again so we really appreciate um, the fact that we were recognised and talk to me about this panel of players that you have at the start of the year do you think there was an All-Ireland in this team or is that something that kind of emerges as you go along it does they're very green they come like developing I know developers up to 14 and 15 but I don't think they ever stop developing mm-hmm. oh, we develop them to a certain extent first of all you have to get them to, 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 to get on with each other that's the first thing you have to do you get them like a club uh, that they do and die for each other you can you, this kind of goes in steps we kind of believe get them their skill level up get there and get them to work for each other and get them to know each other uh, do it for each other get them to really bond and gel because you have to when you like in the other final when you go to the well you come back to that kind of thing you mm. come back to will they die for each other if that's not there um, you, you, you have to have something you have the heart the heart's just not for themselves but it's for everybody else that's around them um, that's what I think anyway and that bond I suppose it's an organic thing that develops you can't you, I suppose you cross your fingers at the start of the year that that's going to develop yeah I, I suppose I've been involved over Cork in 16 to 2018 and before that again and myself I had my had Massey Sullivan there and Donny Daly uh, we had kind of we kind of struck onto some kind of a, a, sim, a system and it worked and I think you don't when the system will work uh, you don't step away from it and I suppose the joy of having on the 16s or is that you have a different team every year mm. and you can say the same things and do the very same things and because if you're a club team and you do the same things over three years they get tired of it but if you step on a system that'll work and you can do as I said say the same things do the same things and if it works I don't see why you should change it mm-hmm. I think we kind of stuck with we had, we had Steve we had John Healy and come on board again this year and she did great work along Clown Road the Dark Nights getting him up to a certain level of fitness it's not about weights it's not about just getting their strength up getting their upper body getting their leg strength they don't have to end up like weightlifters but yeah, they, yeah. once they get that little bit of strength up that you need to that they need to have you know because when you're strong when you're fit and you're, when you're strong everything kind of comes easy to a certain extent you can make that run to that ball it's a lot easier if you make one run you can make the second one if you're not fit the second one is harder and then it clears your mind whereas if you're fairly fit you can take the hits and give the hits fairly so you had a fit team obviously this year if you've won the All-Ireland yeah they were very fit in the last 10 or 15 minutes and I, I think we've, we, ha- we learned back from the, from the years that that's what works that's what works it's not about you can't lose the focus either it's not about athletics either it's you have to get the skill level run the two of them parallel skill uh, enjoyment first that's the main thing they have to enjoy that first get the skill level and their fitness up yeah. and uh, make them want to come to training you're, you're selling a product I suppose in a sense you're trying to do, make it as interesting and as fun as far, possible for them so they don't, they don't want to miss training mm-hmm. and if you have that kind of system then you're kind of halfway there I suppose in a sense you talked about how you got to the final uh, we, we kind of it doesn't go to it, we, the, the final is a standalone situation I suppose is, is in all lines we had the Munster where we kind of went down badly to Limerick mm-hmm. lack of preparation as long as I've been involved you'll always be learning <laughs> that we didn't actually prepare properly for it but you know if we if we traded the Munster Cup that day for the all Ireland Cup I wasn't sure what the yeah, guys would have yeah. said um, if you ever want to kind of learn about things learn, girls have to learn about things as well I suppose that you don't win things easy if you take a hit you can learn more from taking the loss than taking a win you know, it covers up a lot, but we sat down in the shoes and I followed. We never lifted a hurley the following night in training, and we talked about that so much. Every scenario, we didn't know where we were going, but we met them. We met them three weeks later. Uh, we knew we could beat them, uh, skill-wise and every otherwise. But how many we were going to handle it after taking the last? And the guys were outstanding. They were fantastic. We played three matches in May. We won the three of them. We were actually qualified in May, and we took it. We had a, May, a break in in June, and we came back. Then we played Galway away, and we played Tipperary. We gave we gave girls a, a chance in, against Tipperary 
the guys who hadn't really got good much game time mm-hmm. and it wasn't a case of just giving them the, say, giving them a game uh, you know, because people think oh they were qualified no it's only matching giving them a game it's not the case every chance they get on the pitch it's to prove to us that they need to be on the, on, on the team mm-hmm. we kind of train uh, we named the team on the Tuesday night after training uh, we don't. We say we don't compete against each other. Uh, against Galway's Kilkenny's or Tipperary's, we compete against ourselves. I said the girl sitting in the dressing room is competing with the best friends beside her, mm-hmm. and we won. Beat Wexford in the semi-final, and we prepared pretty well for the for the final. And we had kind of talked about different scenarios. If we went scores down, how we were going to deal with it? Uh, as we said, you know, you don't prepare. For, even not the smallest little things we say when we were under a bit of pressure it was the heart that got us through it mm-hmm. and in the last time it was fitness plus heart plus the skill level to put the ball over the bar that's what it's all about <laughs> to win a game you have to be yeah. scoring more than the opposition simple game when you put it like that well, it's, it? Rory uh, uh, simple people are, there are all these fancy game plans and sweepers and, and moving the ball through the lines it, that's fine if you have the team to do it but like you start off basics you can, you can start off with the basics and you can maybe add that in maybe after maybe 60 because when you're out there in, in the heat of the battle the last thing you want to do is do anything fancy mm-hmm. you do the basics with a lot of sent to you two sides strike hard and people have put limits on girls we don't put any limits on our striking the ball especially mm-hmm. like the fastest way to get the ball from one end of the pitch to the next is is, is, is strike it long you know any girl should be able to put the ball over the bar from 40 metres or clear the ball over the fence by 40 metres so that was it um, for the players themselves you see them over here they do look a, like a very close bunch but they'll go on out to represent Cork at minor and senior level and I'd imagine there's players who have the ability in your squad to go play senior all, all they have they have a course look I suppose it, girls are probably different they, it all depends but once they get the chance I think you know once they get the chance to move on and they will We've I've probably girls playing I've been involved almost even 12 years ago I was involved on the 16s and those girls are the senior team that I would have gone through my, my, my fingers with other management player managements mm. uh, we didn't win all Ireland's uh, and even if you don't win all Ireland's there's always certain other players who will come through always three or four will always come through because you're talking about Cork you know one of the biggest counties in Ireland you know Great development, squad, great development going on in, uh, behind the scenes, and giving everybody a chance. It's not easy. It's, it's you can't rush it because you've so many, um, so many players in Cork. But they'll go through the ranks, and they'll, they'll, there's great trainers in Cork as you see. Mm-hmm. One a senior, one a minor, and one another 16. Mm-hmm. But it starts even behind now. Even though the 16 is the first competitive level. There's a lot of work that gets them there from 14s and 15s to get them there, but they get taste the first taste of competitiveness to extreme since in, at under 16 level. And it makes them stronger. It makes them, you know, that no, minus different level again, and it's a different level again, but you have to start at the bottom, to start at under 16 and work your way up. Different level, different different pressures, different types, different sides of play. And we had the minor team here recently at the Rebel Og Wars. The seniors now since won the All Ireland. Cork Mogies on such a tremendous high at the moment. Oh, it's fantastic! It's it's. Um, I, I, I suppose I've been involved with no good while, but the, the, you're such a player in Cork, and I'm presuming you go to every other county in the country. They tell you the very same. But we have such great parents, great players, and great mentors, and great great committees. And you look at Cork Mogie grounds there. The, it's, it's a credit to the, the Cork Mogie Ward. Um, and they, they've great, they've great help through the year with support. Without, you have to, it has to be right at the top for everything else to work. And we have a great committee and we have a great board for that to work. Because if it's not right at the top, everything will not work down the line. You know, and they've given great, they gave faith me now this year to let me go forward as manager. And you, Jory, at the minor level, and you had met you at the, at the senior level. Everybody's doing their job uh, to the best of their ability. You know, and it's it's not easy at times. But you take the job not thinking you're going to get a pat in the back all the time. Mm. You know, but that's... <laughs> Cockermog is, 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 is going well. Once, once, once the players are just kept on and kept, kept keep on playing, it's going to be great. John, appreciate it. Thanks very much, Roy. 
Yeah, John Maloney speaking to Rory after the Cork Under-16 Camogie team picked up the July Rebel Og Award at the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs. All right, let's finish off the show now. We're going to finish off with some reaction from the Munster-Leinster game at Mosgrave Park, but it just ran over time for us, so we're going to have that on the bench tomorrow evening. Let's hear instead now from Jim Crawford, the Ireland under-21 manager, of course, Ireland playing uh, two huge Euro qualifiers at Turner's Cross. They're expecting a big turnout. It's Turkey first uh, next Friday, and then it is San Marino the week after. I was speaking to Jim Crawford during the week. All right, delighted to be joined by Ireland under-21 boss Jim Crawford ahead of uh, two huge games at Turner's Cross over the next week or so. Jim, uh, thanks for joining us here on the Big Red Bench. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, you just announced the squad. Um, you must be excited to get started with another qualifying campaign. Yeah, um, always excited to, to get the players in and particularly when it's the start of a campaign because... You know, now the games mean something. Okay, we played down in Cork against Iceland. It was a friendly. It was great to play there and, and get over 6,000 um, um, fantastic supporters in the stadium and, and to see, you know, real potential with the players. And then when we went away in June for, um, you know, a couple of preseason games. But now it's the... Uh, the, the red light is being switched on now for this window. Now it's it's we go live and it's about getting points and, and performances. How important was that game against Iceland in terms of scoping out Turner's Cross as a potential venue for these qualifying games and like logistically and even tactically, I suppose, with the pitch and everything like that? How much did you look at that in March? Yeah, that, that was that was big for us. It was, there was a lot of um, factors to be considered, you know, where we were staying in Cork. Um, you know, the distance from where we were staying to, to Turner's Cross. Um, you know, what are the dress rooms like, the pitch. But I think the most important thing would be the, the fan base, you know, get, getting supporters out to, to cheer on the players. And for me, the game against Iceland felt like a, you know, really good event. It, it did, you know, and I spoke to people who were at the game, we travelled down from Dublin and Kildare and, and uh, throughout the country and, and they all said the same that it was um, you know you, you could tell walking up to the stadium that you knew you were going into uh, a game that um, turned out to be a, an exciting game you know so really what we need now for these games is uh, you know similar if not more support because now it means something you know these games are huge, you know, there are six points to, to play for in this window. Turkey are a very, very good team. There's no doubt about it. As, as exciting as we are, um, you know, on paper and, and, you know, through experience working with the players over the last two windows, you know, Turkey are are excellent. And, you know, they've been, you know, on, on a really good run uh, with this group of players in their preparation for this campaign. They they players who play with Juventus, Galatasaray, you know, so, you know, some big clubs represented in their group. So, you know, we need that, that 12th man, as they say, um, and that being, you know, um, uh, you know, all the supporters, hopefully over six and a half thousand thrown up to what's going to be a, a really interesting game. Yeah. And like you say, Turkey are going to be 
so strong. Norway and Italy also going to be difficult games. Does that actually put a bit more pressure on the tie against San Marino? Because I suppose you simply can't afford to drop points against the other teams in the group. Yeah, look, it's, it's they're all important in their own right, you know. And, and after we play Turkey, the most important game of the campaign becomes San Marino. And that's the way you've got to approach these games. So San Marino will be a huge game. And, and you know, all we're concentrating on now and, and all our energy and, and focus is on the very first one, which is Turkey. And, and it's a really challenging group. You know, it's a much tougher group than what it was last year because Turkey are are very good and then you've got Norway and Italy who are um, excellent, excellent teams. So it's going to be a challenge. But look, I think the players that we have will um, certainly be up for it and it's going to be interesting to see what develops and to play all our games in Cork. Um, You know, all the qualifying games in Cork, I think will will certainly um, help us in our quest to become the first 21s team to qualify for the European finals. Just finally for me, we saw a superb strike by Johnny Kenny in the shed last March. Huge moment for him personally and a big, big moment for the team as well, I suppose. He'll be delighted to get another chance to play at the cross as well as the rest of the lads. Yeah, Johnny, you know, it was a brilliant goal and, and when Johnny came on in the game, he was he was excellent and it was a pity Johnny had a little bit of a, a groin strain for the last window, so it would have been good to get Johnny in amongst the players again. Um, you know, so... He's uh, he, he's an he's an excellent player. Um, he knows the league too well. He knows Turner's Cross very well, and you know I, I was delighted for him with an unbelievable strike to win the game. Um, but but Johnny can do that. You know he's uh, he's he's an exceptional talent. Um, he's he's very a strong-minded uh, player. You know, look, he's 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 had some. You know, stormy moments in his in his fledgling career, but he was strong enough to see out that and and come out the other side. And he's learned loads, um, up to now as a as a footballer. And I think there's loads more to come from Johnny, loads more. So, I'm um, looking forward to to meeting Johnny again now and and working with him, um, in preparation for these two games. Absolutely, well, Jim. The very best of luck in the two games. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, make sure if you can, you get down to Turner's Cross for those two huge games for the Ireland under-21s. That is it for us. We're out of time. Evan Ferguson has scored a second. An unbelievable strike against Newcastle. It's 2-0 approaching the 70th minute mark. I'll be back tomorrow on the big red bench from six. Until then, it's Stevie G on the way and the block party next. The big red bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.